Episode 33 of The Paul George Show welcomes Annie Hickman. We're fully alive and that we're not sort of just existing here on this planet in order to avoid a future suffering, but we are experiencing heaven, truly, here and now in our mortal bodies. The Paul George Show! This week, Paul welcomes Innie Hickman from Adore Ministries. He discusses living well, being raised by monkeys, and embarrassing baseball stories. And now, from Christ Our King Studios in Lafayette, Louisiana, the insatiable Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Show. Great to be with you today in studio with the world-famous Adam Conk. How you doing today, bro? Great, Paul. How are you, man? Good. I'm doing good, man. Do you know French? Joie de vivre. Oui. Oui. Cajun French is oui. Oui, which is we, oui, which is yes. real French is like we. Oui. It's kind of different between American English and English English. Right. Cajun French is not quite correct, yeah. but it's still fun. Which is I love being down here, living in, in South Louisiana. And for those who listen to the show and the podcast all over, joie. You know what that means? Yeah. It's joy. Joy. I got the joie, 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 joie down in my heart. Did you sing that in like Bible school growing up? Not like that. Right. <laughs> so we have this saying down here. Well, there's one that's that's a famous saying, laissez le bon temps rouler, which means let the good times roll. Let them roll, baby. Yeah. Don't so stop them. Do you know the one that's the joy of life? Joie de vivre. Joie de vivre. Right? The joy of living. The joy of life. That's awesome to me. I, I love... I love that. And since, you know, I am, you know, publicly bilingual. Publicly? Yeah, publicly <laughs> bilingual. <laughs> Which what means does that mean? Like on your Facebook page, you say you're bilingual? I know like a word in Spanish, uh, a couple of words in French. What do you mean like quadrilingual? A couple of words in Cajun. Is that its own language? Yeah. Okay. And I know a few words in English. So, man, technically. Sinquilingual? Sinquilingual. Yeah. So anyway, great to be with you today, man. Have you seen this? What did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real, though? Uh, there's literally, this is a true story. A girl was found living uh, in India, in the forest. A young girl, 10 to 12 years old, they don't know yet, uh, living with monkeys. What? Yeah, this is like a modern day uh, Tarzan story. Oh my goodness. So they can't figure out the story yet, like how she got lost. Her parents are, you know, she was an orphan. Her parents dropped her off. She wandered off. But apparently it's been a long time because uh, she was not only living with the monkeys, but she didn't, she didn't speak. Um, she, she walked like monkeys. She was eating like monkeys. You're kidding me. Behaving like the monkeys. And, um, they spotted her and they had to rescue her. They went to rescue her a couple of times. And the monkeys fought them off, and they couldn't get to her. Oh, my God. So she was literally a part of the family, a part of the pack. And finally, they had to do this whole rescue uh, mission. And they got her, brought her to the hospital, everything. But she, she didn't even know how to communicate, eat, um, you know, with like a fork or anything. Like, like completely and totally, uh, you know, was immersed in the culture of the monkey family. This is hard to believe. And she survived all those years. Yeah. Man. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you could be raised by a pack of animals, what would it be? It would be sloths. Sloths? Yep. I can see that. Let's take it easy, guys. Just just slow and roll. Yep. Let the good times roll. Joie. <laughs> joie de vivre. What about you? The joy of living. Laissez le bon temps rouler. <laughs> a sloth. Yeah. They, and they do have a they have a happy resting face. Of course. And they're always resting. Yeah, that's like their only face. What would what would you pick for your animal of choice? I you know I've never really thought about it, but uh, I would either be like um, would love to be like in a pack of like panthers. Really? Yeah. Cool. That's like the opposite. Yeah. Of or a sloth. Stallions. 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 Dang. Yeah. Just, that's so much more noble than my answer. <laughs> just stallions. <laughs> Right, just running across the plains, wild horses. <laughs> well, okay, so this is an incredible story, but it makes me think that there's more to happen because in the movies like this, like in Tarzan or in Jungle Book, they get separated, they get brought to, back to mankind, right? Then somehow they find a way back, or they want to get back. And I just wonder if in real life, if that would actually happen, like she wants to, like bring me back to my family. Well, she's only ten to twelve. They can't figure it out. She's in an orphanage now, which is sad because they can't find her parents. Um, she's still not able to speak. Um, you know, she was completely nude, just didn't know the difference. Um, and it's just an interesting story. But but here's what's interesting to me. Okay, so she obviously spent a lot of time and she was raised w- with this pack of monkeys didn't know any different so so in turn she began to act like them mm-hmm. she began to to develop their behaviors uh ways of living uh ways of communicating ways of eating she became a part of their culture and it, it just really proves the point to me even more so that we become we literally become who and what we surround ourselves with and in our culture, uh, we can certainly navigate and, and you know, become and develop behaviors and ways of communicating uh, simply by the culture that we live in and the people we, we surround ourselves with. Well, and I guess what's different between us and the animals, like the monkeys in this case, is that we actually have a choice on that matter, right? When you're a monkey, there's nothing you can do about it when you're a pig or, or a sloth. Or a like, stallion. Or a stallion. That, that's where you're born. That's who you are. You grow up like that. You learn those ways. But as humans, we have this ability to actually choose the culture we belong to um, it, to a large extent. Now, some of that we can't choose. Right. But we can choose the friends we surround ourselves with. Right. We can choose the ideas that go through our heads. So you're right. And I think what's interesting is that we have a part to play in that uh, cultural decision. Yeah, and there was a recent study I was reading that uh, we are the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. Like so, the people that we surround ourselves with, we spend our time with, have a huge effect on our behavior, the way we think, the way we live, the way we act, what we do. And I see this in the culture all the time when people are behaving certain ways, good or bad. Who are they hang out with? Who do they surround themselves with? And and here's my point that I really want to get at is we have lost the art of mentorship, the art of accompaniment, the art of journeying with people, the art of community, the art of being with people. 
And to the point where someone is literally left alone to live life and just kind of navigates to wherever they want and they become a part of that subculture within the culture. Mm -hmm. And it just, it just begins to kind of form who they are. And we see it in our culture all the time. And what's weird about that is we think it's normal somehow. So it's, for instance, it's normal for me to have no idea what I'm doing and I have to figure all this out by myself. And that I just feel normal. Like it's normal to have this situation of growing up in the woods with monkeys, but culturally speaking. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, right. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I might even be um I might even push away those that try to include me in a culture or in a in a mentorship because I think, no, to be an American, to be, you know, is to stand on your own two feet and to figure everything out for yourself. Right. Yeah. Things form us. Things shape us. And this is what Christ did with his disciples. They lived in community. They they affected one another, affected each other's ways of thinking, believing, acting, uh, to the point where uh, their formation happened in community, right? In discipleship, in mentorship, in accompaniment. And we've, in a sense, lost that art of really bringing people through. And oftentimes when somebody's going through something or they make a decision, uh, maybe to get divorced or uh, to get a certain job or, you know, to do certain behavior, like where'd that come from? It didn't happen overnight. Uh, certain, certain things formed uh, that person's way of living, their way of thinking, their way of acting uh, to the place where eventually they just, you know, develop a behavior they can't change anymore, right? It, yeah. It, it, it's a part of their DNA of, of who they are and the way they act. And a lot of times it, it's not, it's not the, um, the right way of living. You know, there's a right way of living and a wrong way of living. Yeah. Uh, Christ instituted uh, a way of living. God created us in a way of living in a relationship with him. And it's important that we uh, engage in people's lives and kind of re-enter in this sort of idea of mentorship and accompaniment, not only with our own kids, within our own small community of our family, but even outside of that. Yeah. Well, it's amazing that the Christian victory is that Jesus entered our culture in order to redeem us, right? Like he, right. like we're in, we're all in this situation, but he actually, and we can do that with others. Like we actually enter people's lives that way as well. He entered into our world to teach us a new way of living and to save us from our old ways of living. And God can transform us. God can change us. God can teach us new ways of doing things. I'm an example of that. You're an example of just saying, God, teach me a new way of living life. So I'm super excited about the show. Uh, have a great guest on today, Any Hickman. Uh, we're going to talk some pretty cool things today. It's the Paul George Show. We'll be right back. Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Healthcare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs 
while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George here. Great to be with you today. And as always, super excited about uh, our guest today, a recurring guest uh, that I have on. I need to have on more often. Uh, Any Hickman, Houston, Texas, president of Adore Ministries. Any, what's going on, bro? What's up, man? Yeah, I agree. I, I love I love getting on with you, Paul. And uh, yeah, I always look forward to this time. It's funny because sometimes this is uh, unfortunately the only time we get to catch up so you know i think i think it would be cool yeah so uh, I was, more often I, we could just like you know catch up on on air i was i was <laughs> thinking of like naming the segment when you come on either on the front porch with any hickman or driving a pickup truck with any hickman i don't know do you have a thought yeah i mean something with banjos i mean i think that you know like i'm hearing a theme so i've always think of things musically you know i think banjos would be appropriate for so, you and i so um, like a walk-up you know. song you have like your own walk-up song i've always wanted to walk i had i had a walk-up song in in high school uh you know when i i played baseball and um all right so those, I, I those people say what it is but those people who don't know what a walk-up song is uh what's a walk-up song yeah, walk up song is uh, basically as you're as you're going from the on deck circle uh, in baseball right. um, to home plate, getting ready, getting set. There, there's a song being played, <laughs> and uh, and and it's and it's to pump you up, but it's also the it's kind of it's personal, so that the crowd knows, oh, this is who this guy is, right? So it's you it's know, your personality. Um, it's your personality, right? It's your personality. It's your walk-up song. Yeah, and I think that for so you what, and I, you know, what would be yours? What would be your walk-up song? Right now, my walk-up song. Wow, that's a really great question. I know. Now, I think it would probably have to be mariachi music, right? Because it now. could change. I'm, I'm really. Yeah, it could. It totally changes. It could totally change. But Mari- right now, you just said me- mariachi music, like because it's close to Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> like, what's going on, bro? Uh, yeah. Yes and no. Okay. I mean, I, I I think mariachi uh, music is is actually quite beautiful. I I'm, I'm I get excited every time I hear mariachi music. So if I, I if I had one right now, little known fact, you know, if I was traveling the road playing baseball, which would be a brilliant job, right? Um, oh my gosh, unbelievable! It would be Garth Brooks' old song calling Baton Rouge, just blaring. Ooh. Yeah, because yeah. I met my wife in Baton Rouge, and then I would be on the road. There it is, and and I whatever. Love that song. Yeah, yeah, that would be it. That... Operator, would you put me on to? Yeah, 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 down yeah. to Baton Rouge. Huh? Yes. Oh man, that would be a great walk-up song. Yeah, I in high school, um, it was, uh, it was, uh, <laughs> it was Snoop Dogg. There and you go. I, I'm embarrassed to say that. Yeah, but you know, a clean version, uh, Snoop and Dre. But that was, you know, that was then. That was any then. Right. You know, pants a little lower, any. Right. And uh, you know, now, yeah, now, you know, now I'm grown up, graduated into mariachi music. Dude, that's awesome. I think everyone should think of a, of their walk up song, sort of their their theme right now in their life. And I think if we were being, being serious, you and I, just about like 
what's God doing in our life right now? What's our theme in our life? I think, you know, I would have a different walk up song that I, I want to wake up to every day um, that that really describes how I want to live life. You know, you know, we're talking off air. This realization that uh, today you and I uh, are one step closer to dying. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I know it's it's a super morbid thought, and I think when we, when you know we we talk about death, I think I think we we live in a society and a culture that sort of doesn't want to think about death, knows that it's a reality, but really let's not talk about it, you know. And recently, yeah, you know, I, I had this experience. Actually, Holy Week for me was um, just this incredible experience. A, a, a very dear friend of mine, which I think a lot of your listeners probably. Um, knew or at least heard of through social media, um, a, a friend of mine named Katie Garcia, who I grew up here uh, in Houston with, and you know we we were um, at the same parish, and and uh, just an incredible woman. But man, she knew when she was going to die, and this is what has inspired me, and kind of what we were talking about off air is that she knew when she was going to die. You know, she you know not not the exact hour, but she knew. I mean, the doctor said, "Look, you've you've got too much." She. She struggled with cancer for a few years, um, was clean and clear. She came to the Encounter Conference, she and her husband, David. And, uh, and then, man, right after, you know, that uh, in the fall, she just, it came, the cancer came back with, with a vengeance. And the doctor basically said, you know, it's going to be two to four months. And, and uh, you know, it's, and she made the decision to go home yeah. and to spend it with her family. And, man, I honestly, I mean, this is the thought I had. The, on, the honest thought that I had is like, how awesome would it be if we knew when we were going to die? Right. Well, the because, reality because is, the, is we do, yeah, in a sense, every day we we're, we're one step closer. Like, none of us are avoiding right. the fact that we're moving closer to death, whether no matter right. what our circumstances is. But the interesting thing about Katie, and I think you can expand a little bit more on this in your own life, and right. then experiencing walking with her and her family is um, that when she left the doctor's office, she chose to live and didn't choose right. to die. Like that was what right. defined uh, that moment for her. Right. Absolutely. And that for, for me, that was, um, you know, it, it, death and suffering always have lessons to learn, you know, lessons to, you know, to, to be taught there. Like I, I, and I think that for me personally, Watching her live, you know, it caused me to rethink so much of my life because, you know, how would you describe living? How would you describe living, Paul? Like if I was to say like, this is, you know, this is a person who's living, right. what, what would that be for you? It's so interesting because you said that, you know, her, her life caused you to rethink and uh, the word rethink in the Greek means conversion. It's, it's. It's right. things in life that cause us to rethink how mm. we're living, which allows us yeah. and gives us opportunity to change for the better. Like God uses that. And right. it's a great question. Like, what does it mean to live? And I think we have, if I, we were honest, we have a hard time describing what does it mean to really live, right? So we right. see maybe qualities yeah. Yeah. Or, or virtues or or good things that that we want to adapt into our life, but for the most part, we always feel like living life is very inconsistent. Right, and I think I think for me and for and for for many Christians, I think for most Christians, there you know, there's this idea that 
there's a future suffering that we're trying to avoid, right? Mm-hmm. So, so as a Christian person, it's like, well, you know, yes, my goal is heaven, and I don't want to suffer for eternity. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick close to Jesus. I love the idea of Jesus. I'm, I'm all in with, you know, with continuing to grow in holiness and frequenting the sacraments and doing all that stuff to avoid a, a uh, to avoid a future suffering and to enjoy a future life. But see, I, I, I'm coming to realize that, that God wants to give me life. In, in morning prayer this morning, right, Romans 8, you know, that, that he will give life to our mortal body. Mm. Like if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead is in us, it will give us life in our mortal bodies. And what does that mean? And what it means that, you know, uh, you know that, that, we're, that we're fully alive and that we're not sort of just existing here on this planet in order to avoid a future suffering, but we are experiencing heaven, truly. Truly, we're experiencing the fullness of life here and now in our mortal bodies. And I, 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 I believe that I got too busy, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I believe I got too yeah. crazy busy with all the stuff of faith, you know, balancing ministry and family and my, you know, my own spirituality, all these things. I got too busy with all that stuff that I forgot to live. And Katie showed me that, that for her last two months of life, man, she was fully alive because she realized that and. And real quick, uh, um, you know, how it happened was there was a friend of mine who we were talking and she goes, any, I'm so scared because that could be any, that could be any of us. You know, she's so young. She was like 35 and it's like, that could be any of us, you know? And, and I looked at her and I said, and it just hit me. I said, that is us. Like that is us. We are dying, you know? And, and so, and so we, we might as well begin to start living in that fashion to say, gosh, this life is short. And here, all around me, from the sunshine to the blessing of my children, these, this is God's mercy given to me to say, live this life. Live it to the full, you know? So, uh, yeah, another conversion for, for any. Yeah. <laughs> another conversion for me. Yeah, I was talking before you came on with Adam. Uh, the French for the joy of living is joie de vie. You know, it's joie de vie. Joie de yeah. vie, just the joy of living and I think the mm-hmm. thing that's most attractive, so you ask the question is like, what does it mean to live? I think the quality in someone that's most attracting that we all desire and want is is the quality of joy. Uh, this happiness right. that someone has, even though they know they're going to die. Well, the reality is, like you said, we, we're all dying. We're all on our way to death. And we have an opportunity to choose to live um, to the right. full are not. And what I really want to get in the conversation is what does that mean? Because, you know, when I graduated high school, our, our theme uh, for our class was carpe diem, seize the day. And everyone right. defined seize the day in a different way and right. li- lived crazy, did silly things, you know. Uh, right. And a lot of times we think, you know, just just live life to the full. We sort of, what we do is we pull out a bucket, uh, a piece of paper, and we make a bucket list of all the things we want to do before we die. And in a right. sense of that's what's going to bring us joy, you know? And right. I think you and I know. So I'm talking to any Hickman. Uh, we're, we're talking about life. And when we come back, we're going to get more in uh, to this in-depth conversation. So any, don't go anywhere, anywhere. This is Paul George Show. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Have any Hickman on, president of Adore Ministries, Houston, Texas. Uh, speaking of Houston, bro, uh, the Astros, man, they're they're really coming out of the gate strong. I love it. Yeah, it is a fun time to be a Houston sports fan. And it, um, and it's a I fun am, team uh, to watch. And you guys deserve it, man, in Houston. And I, and I love the Astros as well. But you've waited a long time to have a good team. Yeah, no, it, it's been some years of suffering. And uh, you know what? It is we deserve it. But, you know, fans, you know, fans in Houston have been pretty loyal. Um, you know, we could have easily jumped to the Rangers you know, we could have easily jumped it. It's it's a it is a fun time to be to be here. I'm actually I'm actually heading to the game uh, at one o'clock, and um, Are yeah, you, I'm, I'm I'm really pumped to go out there. I'm completely jealous. I love going to baseball games because I enjoy not only the game, but there's something very um, uh, relaxing about a baseball game. Well, it's yeah, it's it's sort of the perfect leisure for me because you you can. You know, you can stare, you can enjoy a conversation. Um, you don't, you know, you, you don't feel pressure to keep your eye, you know, completely on the, uh, you know, unless you're sitting close and you don't want to get a foul ball in your face. But, but you, yeah, there's, there's a sense of leisure. There's a sense, sense of rhythm uh, that, that, yeah, I think um, that baseball really brings to not only if you're playing, but also to the fans. So, uh, and day games, you can't beat you can't beat the day games, you know? right? So yeah, totally. You know, and, and and back to what we were talking about, you know, I think this is this is where I this is where I feel like um, you know something that that was missing in my life. Um, I, I as a dad, as a husband, um, as a missionary, you know, I, I could easily say I don't have time. You know, I, I can easily say, well, I, I really don't have time to take my wife on a date because, you know, I, I've got this great opportunity to meet with this person. You know, um, I've got this great opportunity to, you know, to, to go coach uh, a, another baseball team of my sons or something like that. And I, I think, you know, when talking about the quality of life or living the fullness of life, I think you know, there's this word that I've been focusing in on and it's, um, you know, it's, it has a, a lot of different meanings, but, but margin. Hmm. Now, it, it, we talk about the margins of society and those who live on the margins. And I love the margins. I love hanging with the margins and those types of things. But I think in our life too, and this is what I've been sort of, you know, meditating on the past few days. And especially since Katie's passed on is this, what it, what is my margin? You know, I think that in well, describe in life, that. describe have, that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Me. So 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 like right. So a margin is that place that's sort of in between, um, you know, what you have, the contents of your cup, for instance, and the and the and the top of your cup. Okay, mm-hmm. where you're going to overflow or spill out. Or if you look at a break. page, you literally look at the margins that that flow off the center right. of the page. The, okay. The room, right? The room, and I think in life, I. I I, I sort of operate all the way to the edge of the page, you know, and I operate my day and my emotions and my spirituality and my finances to their limits and, and, and don't have that room, that margin to sit or to even spend, you know, so I, I'm, I'm looking at my life and there's probably more, but 
but first I feel like we have an emotional margin, you know, we have this emotional margin where, you know, like, are you at a tipping point every day where if anything happens, you're going to blow your top, you know, well, you don't have a lot of emotional margin. So yeah. what is it in self-care that you need to do in order to, in order to have that emotional margin? And then secondly, I think when this is kind of controversial with, with, you know, with missionary life, but do you have financial margin? Cause right. I think a lot of our stress and a lot of our, you know, inability to live life has to do with the fact that we don't have financial margin. And so we're constantly trying to, you know, make ends meet and constantly doing this. And so, you know, budgeting and, and learning how to not spend on this, you know, at this bar and, you know, save $2 and get a six pack and go home, you know, <laughs> like certain things like that, where we can begin to create a financial margin to feel, to feel peace enough to live life, you yeah. know, to say, you know what, I've got an extra 20 bucks. I can go get an outfield seat at the Astros game. Um, and then third, I think, which is the most important in my life right now, or the, the one that I'm focusing on is our time margin. You know, my, I literally, the other, the other Saturday, I had, we had four baseball games before 1230. And my, and my, and, and my oldest daughter was running in a cha- championship uh, track meet, you know, six minutes from the baseball field and I missed two of her first races. And then I'm running as soon as we, you know, as soon as we finish our last game, I'm running to the other side, you know, uh, of this, of this sports complex to get, um, you know, to, to catch her last race. And I'm sitting there going, this is no way to live. Right. And I think that I, in my ministry life and in everything, I mean, I'm, I'm literally talking to you on the phone on the way to get a haircut because I've got an appointment at 1030. Like, you know, there is just literally no margin for me to live life. And so one of my goals, um, you know, here in the next few months is to, is to begin to carve out specific times where I can say, you know, this is, this is a place where I literally have nothing planned and I can, I can, I can experience, you know, maybe just some, some meditation time, some contemplation time, just sitting just being with my wife or just being by myself on the porch, you know? Um, and I think that, that adds to that creativity in your life when God's like, here, I need you to do this or, you know, this, this, this specific thing. I think we, we're not, we're unable to hear God, um, on how to live life or what we need to be doing to live the fullness of life. If we don't have margin, um, in, in our, in our time commitments, yeah, you know? I, and so totally, yeah. I agree a hundred percent. And, and in the sense of when I look at people's lives and I look at people who, uh, I would describe as having a joy for life, uh, a happiness in their life. Uh, they've created room for God to move, to have yeah. margins where right. they financially, emotionally, spiritually, uh, or with their calendar. Um, they don't push life to the edges. They don't push their calendar all the way past the margins to where they can't read, they can't see, everything's blurry. And, right. you know, as we learn to do that in our life, I think the one thing is we're afraid. We're afraid to create space. Uh, we're afraid right. to not be busy. We're afraid um, to not have all the things. And, and so we pack life uh, with stuff, right. uh, with our time, our calendar, uh, everything's packed so that we don't have to have any space um, to just be right. It's right. just to live life and to, yeah. and to have these moments. I've been dealing a lot with this in my life. And one of the things I've done this past couple of years is I've created every, every three months I do a, a one day offsite retreat. 
People are like, how do you do that? Yeah. Like, I just do it. I, I carve out a day every three months just to leave and to shut everything down and to think and to pray and to reflect. But I want that to be a reflection of what my, my, my day and my life and my week looks like so that I can right. pull over on the side of the road and give a homeless person uh, $10 because I've created margin in my finances mm -hmm. and I've created, right. I've created a little bit of time in my day so that I can actually be with someone I wasn't expected to be with. Right. And that, and, and isn't that the rhythm of God's creation, right? I mean, it, it, we, we're, we're not producers, Like, get over that. You're not creating anything. You're, you're co-creating, you know, you and I are co-creating with God right now. You know, however he works in our life, we're, we're a part of creation. We're a part of co-creation. And if we're not Sabbathing, if we're not in that sabbatical rhythm, you know, every seven minutes taking a breath, you know, every seven days taking a rest, every seven months, perhaps, seven years, perhaps, like, if we're not in that sabbatical rhythm, we're out of sync with, with what God wants to do in our lives, you know? And I, I love that example of, of uh, you know, feeding the homeless, like, I've done that. I have been too busy. I've seen someone in need and have been literally like, I got to go. Right. I'm really sorry, you know? And, and, and I just imagine that, you know, that, that's, that's not my call. God, God's going, hey, you know, that, I need you to be interruptible uh, in your day. I, I need you to figure out what's actually important. And I think, doesn't it come down to, you know, uh, and we've talked about it before, you know, that the idea of essentialism, you know, the, yep. this idea of what actually is important in my life. And so, you know, I would say, you know, for listeners, you know, may, maybe it's time to write that list down. You know, if you're feeling too busy and you don't have any margin in your time, um, you know, in your, in your life, you know, to, to fully live, maybe it's time to write down, okay, maybe with your spouse, you know, what are the most important things and let's begin to carve, you know, trim and whittle off those edges um, that are that have filled up our margins to say, you know what, that's actually not as important as we make it, you know. And and it's rough. I think you're right. Fear, like, oh my, but my kid's got to play little league, you know. Well, but does he? <laughs> you know, like, well, we have to do it this way. But but do you? You know, th there's there's so much pressure in society. I think to to remain busy. Um, that, that it, that it's difficult. It's, it, we're, we are full of fear to be different, to act different, but, but you're right. Those that live a full life of freedom and peace and joy, um, they do, they live, they live with margins, uh, and, 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 you know, and experience life. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged by this thought. I'm, you know, I'm going to try to, that is awesome, man. The, the offsite, I need to get there. Uh, that is just, that is a sweet idea. Yeah, we have to create space. And so, Any, thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, we're going to do Front Porch with Any Hickman more often. All right, bro? I en love it. Enjoy the All Astros right, game. Thank you so much. Okay. Love you, bro. All right, man. Love you, too. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Healthcare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. 
www.ohio.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, right here with you in studio, completely delirious. Great conversation with Danny Hickman, huh, Adam? Yeah, y'all were on fire, as they say, in the sports world. Yeah, and you've been quiet over there. I've been your, burning. In your corner. So Adam burning sits in a corner the fire. with a little hat on <laughs> during those segments. So, um, yeah, thanks to Danny Hickman. Great conversation uh, about life. So would you learn today I learned that show? you have a song in your heart, and you think everyone should. Yes. A walk-up song. Yeah. And that every morning we should sing it. That that's news to me. That's what you learn. Yeah, you, you learn what a walk-up song is. Well, I knew what it was. Oh come on! But I learned that you be honest live your life to walk-up songs. Apparently, you wake up with them. Song in your heart. Yeah, or or I should I should have a song in my heart. That's beautiful, man. <laughs> that's poetry. What did you learn? Well, I already knew what a walk-up song was, although you didn't. Um, I learned that if you live with monkeys, you'll act like monkeys. Amen. And I think that applies to pretty much every area of our life. If we live, you know, surrounded by certain people, ways of living, we will adapt to that, good or bad. Right on. Ha. And then, uh, <laughs> ha, ha. And then I, I learned a little French today. Do you remember? Well, you taught us French. Joy of living. Joie de vivre. Joie de vivre. There you go. That's a beautiful French accent. Can you that's, say it again? That's the song in my heart. Can you today. say it again? That's the song in my soul. Today. Can you say it one more time? Joie de vivre. No, with your French accent you just used. Joie de vivre. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Les poissons. Joie de vivre. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So that's what I learned today. So how about those six pack of questions? Question. All right, so you began the conversation with Denny on both segments, by the way, which was inspiring, about baseball. Now, Did I? Yes. Okay. He led with it, and then you reminded him, okay. because y'all just love baseball. I think y'all both share that love, which is awesome. But you've played baseball quite a bit. Right. So my first question is, what's your most embarrassing baseball moment? Comically embarrassing. Not like, oh my goodness, poor Paul, but like, that's hilarious. What's your most embarrassing baseball moment ever, playing it? Um. Hmm. Well, I mean, I I've gotten hit with a ball in pretty much every place that you could be hit with a ball. Nice in baseball. Um. I think probably my most embarrassing moment was arguing with an umpire and getting thrown out of a game. <laughs> <laughs> but just like anything else, it was his fault, right? <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I learned that that's probably not the best thing to do in baseball. Uh, How old were you? What, what, when was this? But the, the most embarrassing moment didn't happen to me. It happened to my friend who walked. You know, they threw him four balls and he walked. And he went to throw his bat, like, to the on-deck circle. Mm -hmm. And it kind of got stuck in his hand. Mm -hmm. and, and when he threw it, it flipped over the high fence. Oh, my goodness. Into the stands. Oh, my goodness. And I what mean, happened? It just kind of clanged. Okay, clanged, so it didn't clanged. hit anybody. It, well, people had to like move out of the way, and he completely didn't mean it. But the umpire thought he did, and he got thrown out of the game. And our whole dugout just laughed. It, it was like completely hysterical. It was like, what just happened? <laughs> Threw his bat in the stands. So anyway, that's pretty funny. All right, question number two: 
So he shared a moving experience with Katie Garcia, who just passed away. Good friend of his, apparently a holy woman, and he got to experience her witness. Do you have a similar experience in your life of maybe a holy person you've known that has died young or you've got to witness you know, their, their witness in, the, in that time? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people. Went to high school, and one of my best friends passed away junior year in high school, Jenny Smith, who I think is going to be a saint. I mean, she was one of the few kids in high school that lived her faith to the fullest. Like, nothing distracted her from it. It was very rare to see. And I was always intrigued by her and wanted to live that way too um, and other people. But, you know, she died suddenly. Uh, wasn't in cancer. It was in a car accident. But her, her parents still today do a retreat in her honor and uh, share her story because her story was fascinating. It wasn't like she was young and died and, and like we we all honor her. Like she lived, literally lived her life and her faith to the fullest. And I find that the stories of people like that um, are people who not only live their life to the fullest, but faith is is at the center of that. And that 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 brings sort of this this transparency, this joy of living that's about that person. Uh, someone that you and I know in common, Sister Claire Metrejean, mm-hmm. who who died suddenly, who was in Mexico um, in formation with the Missionaries of Charity, died, you know, suddenly and early. But her life, uh, I still think about her and her life and the way she lived it, her faith. So, so yeah, definitely those moments cause you to rethink or those those people who live their life that way cause you to rethink and say, I want to live a certain way. I want to, I want to, I want to, have a conversion into that way of living. Number three, y'all talked about being fully alive or like living and what does that mean? So other than your wife, boom, who is the most alive person, quote unquote, that you've been in a room with? Besides anyway. you? Yeah. And your wife, who's obviously have it, has every virtue to the fullest, but out there, like in your travels or, you know, speaking at different conferences, like who like really made an impression on you? Maybe you only met him one time, but like this person is alive. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, a lot of times we can get mixed up, you know, personalities are different, you know, so someone can be more of an introvert, maybe more, you know, introspective. And so they're not necessarily maybe outwardly joyful or like extroverted, but they they have an inward peace and joy about them still about their life, you know, and there's some people more extroverted, more out there and, you, it, you know, so you it, it more of like that internal presence and trust in God and, and joy uh, but you know, I've had a couple people, or many people in my life, uh, that have that have kind of shown that. Uh, but the person that comes to mind is a friend of mine named Randy Rouse, who lives in Atlanta. He directs as a president of a ministry called Life Team, and uh, Randy's years older than me. But Randy always has a joy of living and an outlook of joy and trust in God, and it always fascinated me, even in times of like adversity. Uh, Randy. Um, just had a joy about him. He has a saying called go God. I mean, he's just like, God's got this no matter what. Pretty cool. Awesome. Alive people are awesome. All right. Question number four. Y'all talked about carving time out of your life for, you know, important things, these kinds of things. How do you carve out time when everything seems necessary? Well, here, I'll answer that uh, question by saying this. (laughs) You like that? What an introduction that yeah. was. <laughs> Not everything's essential. Not everything's necessary. And I think that's the culture we live in. We're like, everything's necessary. You know, so my kid has to 
be in this many activities and we have to have this many things in this big of a house and these many cars or, you know, we have to, everything seems to be necessary and essential. And my thought is that it's not everything is essential and necessary. And as any was talking, maybe just sit down and evaluate your life, evaluate your calendar, evaluate, evaluate your finances, evaluate your spiritual life, uh, the time you spend uh, growing uh, in your faith, uh, evaluate your emotional um, life, all those things, and say, what is necessary? What is first essential in my life? And I think when we bring clarity in our life to what's essential, then the things that are less essential kind of take less priority, and the things that are non-essential begin to fall away. They begin to they begin to kind of move out of our life, and then we find that we we've carved out space in our life. And I think the reality is coming to the grips that not everything is necessary. Hmm. Even if it seems that way. Even if it seems that way. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that leads us right into question number five. Which, he... which after four, <laughs> is five. It's not only numerically, but topically. Question do you, number do you five. know five in French? Uh, shoot, no. Cinq. Un, Un deux, deux, trois, trois quatre, cinco. Cinq. No, cinco's cinco Spanish. Spanish. I get the two because I'm, well, you, you know so many languages. I do. Just, I'm multifaceted. Keep track in my of them. Linguish. <laughs> Well, numero cinco. Um, so he used this word essentialism, and he just kind of agreed. Well, what? What is that? Essentialism. Yeah, he said that word, and you're like, yeah. What is that? Well, it's a movement, actually. There's a book actually out called Essentialism. I think everyone should get it, and if you haven't read it, I'm going to give it to you. Uh, but essentialism is basically this, is evaluating your life, figuring out what's most essential uh, what takes most priority and what should in your life so that we can carve out the space to live um, our life just focused on what's essential. And the things that are non-essential, we spend less time in, in and they begin to sort of uh, not um, define and navigate our life. And what ends up happening is we fill our lives with so many things that ultimately the things that are non-essential are the things that drive our life. So that are the things that are most e- essential, our faith, our relationship with God, our marriage, our family, those become priority and essential when we focus in on those, we find that we have the most freedom and joy in our life. Interesting. All right, so let's say someone's been listening to this and they're like, yeah, I want to live a much fuller life. What's step number one for that? What would you say? Like, yeah, I want to live a fuller life. Yeah, I think you have to evaluate where you're, where you're missing some steps. Like, where are you experiencing some, some, you know, like obstacles and evaluate and be honest about that. And then, and then the first step is just self-recognition, is just saying, yeah, I'm not living a healthy life. I'm living an over-busy life. I'm living, I'm stretched to the, you know, it's being honest and evaluating that and then saying, you know what? I need to admit, I, I want to live a different way. That's the absolute first step. And then it's making the choice to, to, to make God the center, to surround yourself with people who are going to help you and teach you a new way of living. Beautiful. Well, there's the six-pack. That was number week. six right there. Numero sixo. Numero sixo. Great show today. Thanks to Any Hickman. Adam, thanks. Um, you can get the show on iTunes, on Google Play, on website, paulgeorge.la, SoundCloud, all over the place. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, everyone who makes this show possible. And uh, it's a great day, man. We'll be back next week. Paul George Show. God bless. God bless.